Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you. I want to add my uh, words of welcome this morning as well. We are continuing our Advent journey together. Advent is the season when we look back and remember the first coming of our Lord and Savior and find ourselves inspired in our hope as we anticipate his return. As those of us who are Christians who follow a Lord and Savior that we can't physically see, it's helpful for us to be rooted in these stories of the incarnation and when our Savior came in human flesh and blood. And this renews our hopes of his someday return. As Christians, we have many reasons to be hopeful, even in challenging times. And in this season together of Advent, we are looking especially at the results of the hope that we've been given. Last week, we explored how the hope that we've been given in Jesus Christ moves us beyond despair. We don't need to remain frozen, paralyzed in our fear. And we don't need to take matters into our own hands, we saw. Even in those moments, we might grow impatient with God or feel like his timetable is somehow out of whack. We can move forward in faith with actions that are inspired by hope rather than driven by despair. And today we'll see how this this hope we've been giving has another unsticking effect on us. The hope we've been given can free us to love rather than to withhold. The hope that God has given us through our Lord Jesus Christ kind of serves as a lubricant that frees us up, that loosens us in our spirits and in our generosity, loosens up our begrudging hearts when they get stony. This hope can break us away from patterns of self-centeredness. As we look at the Gospel of Luke, we encounter Mary, the mother of Jesus. And she's introduced without much preamble. She simply arrives on the scene, and we see that she's on the receiving end of a very dramatic angelic visit. Luke writes, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. 
And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So we encounter this young woman, Mary, really a girl probably of 13 or 14, certainly not older than 16. And we imagine this scene where uh, Mary is going about her otherwise normal day when suddenly her life is burst in on by this angel. And not just any angel, we're told that it's Gabriel himself, one of the mightiest archangels in the Lord's army. And God had sent Gabriel to deliver this message. The Son of God is coming, Mary, and you are going to be his mother. Now, it's clear from the angel's language that this promised child is none other than the long-awaited promised Messiah himself. Because when Gabriel promised that the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, Mary would have instantly recognized that passage as a promise from God in the book of 2 Samuel to King David. David was promised that he would always have a descendant on his throne. But then once that direct line of kings had been broken centuries before the time of Mary, the hope of all Israel was that it would be the Messiah, Israel's deliverer and redeemer, who would one day again ascend the throne of David. And now, for some reason that apparently only God knew, Mary was being drawn into this story, into the, the fulfillment of this promise. And I think, understandably, she really does not know what to make of it. Now, most of the time that people encounter angels in the Bible, we see that they are terrified. Apparently, the presence of an angel is just a shocking encounter. But here, Mary actually seems more concerned and troubled and pondering than actually afraid. Why would this archangel be greeting her? And greeting her with these kind words. And Gabriel tells her not to be afraid, not to be afraid of his imposing presence and not afraid of the message she's about to be given. Mary will give birth to the one who will be called the Son of God. Gabriel tells Mary that she is highly favored, that she's found favor in the eyes of God, not because of any merit that she has, but because God has chosen her for this role. Chosen her to be the one who will carry this ultimate demonstration of the grace and love of God. And when Mary asks, asks how this will happen, since she's a virgin, the angel replies, well, nothing is impossible with God. And says that even her old relative Elizabeth is already pregnant by the grace and power and plan of God. Now that story of the same archangel Gabriel coming to Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, to proclaim that Elizabeth will have a child is actually an encounter that happens just ahead of this account in, in Luke. And if you come back next week, you'll hear Pastor Chris preach on that episode. But here we see Gabriel coming to Mary, and it's obvious, I think, that Mary's response reveals a lot about her character and also her relationship with God. 
May your word to me be fulfilled, she says. Or in another translation, let it be to me as you have said. Now this was no simple answer because Mary is being asked to carry a child as an unwed mother. She was engaged to Joseph, but they were not yet married. And so she must immediately be imagining in her mind the doubt, the sideways glances. She'd hear the gossip, imagine the ridicule that was surely coming her way. But despite all that, her answer to the angel is yes. I recently read a poem that suggests that Mary had probably long been in the habit of saying yes to God. She had perhaps already been so consistently taking the word of God into her heart that now when it came time for God's word to literally and physically take up residence in her body, her response was the same yes that she had been giving God all along. Because Mary knew and had experienced the trustworthiness of God. He had given her hope already in her young life. I'm sure her betrothal to Joseph was a source of hope and joy and anticipation in her life. And now Mary's yes becomes a way that she can express her love for God. Gabriel told Mary that nothing's impossible for God. None of his words will ever fail to come to be. And Mary responds through an obedience that demonstrates her deep devotion to God. She says yes. She says yes, not because she's jumping at an opportunity to become one of the most famous of all characters among God's people, but she says yes because she wants to honor God with her life, with her actions and decisions. She wants to show God the depths of her love for him. I am the Lord's servant, she answers. She's willing to serve God in any way that she's asked, even in this remarkably difficult, life-changing, disorienting, mysterious assignment that God is giving her. And with her yes, Mary becomes instrumental in in the fulfillment of so many of God's promises, including the old, old promise that God had given Adam and Eve when they were banished from the Garden of Eden. God's promise that Eve's offspring would crush the head of the serpent who had deceived them. And this is the idea of the artwork that you see here on the platform. Artwork modeled after an original piece called Mary Consoles Eve. The curse of sin we know began in the garden, but its final remedy would come through the womb of a virgin by the design and grace of God. So now let's shift our lens to the father of Jesus, who actually was not his father, this character Joseph. And we'll read from Matthew chapter 1. Matthew writes, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, 
he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's Isaiah 7:14. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Now, Joseph initially assumed that his pregnant fiancée had been unfaithful to him. And so he wanted to break off the engagement, but to do it in a way that would spare her from public humiliation. But then Joseph had his own angelic encounter, this time through a dream where the angel of the Lord came to him. And the angel had a difficult assignment for Joseph as well. Take Mary into your home. Go ahead with the marriage. Get ready to father this child that is not yours, but the Son of God. And give him the name Jesus, the Hebrew name Joshua, which means the Lord saves. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel had commanded him. And so Joseph's response was like Mary's, an act of loving obedience to God. He also said yes. But his yes was also a demonstration of love to Mary and to the child that she carried. One commentator puts it this way, Joseph's obedience to the message of the angel of the Lord overrules his own suspicions of Mary's faithlessness, as well as fear of the ruin of his own reputation and honor. Joseph's emotional state at the time the angel appears in his dream must have been intensely conflicted But this special revelation from God at this paramount crossroad of history gives him the guidance and stability that enables him to help carry out God's plan of salvation, even when he will become subject to ridicule and false accusations of moral failure. End of the quote. Because don't forget, when Joseph decided not to call off the engagement, it would be assumed that he and Mary had had premarital sex, and there would be so much ridicule and shame and scorn. And I'm sure Joseph had high hopes for his betrothal to Mary. But the story reveals perhaps that his deepest hopes were actually in the goodness and faithfulness of God. God's reliability to always be true, to be right, just, and holy. And so Joseph adds his own yes to God's revealed plans. And he's given opportunities to demonstrate love for Mary and for the child that they would welcome into their family. Jesus was born as the gift of hope for all people. And those of us who have put our trust and hope and faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior have received great hope back the promise of forgiveness for our sins, the promise of the Holy Spirit to empower us to live an abundant life, 
and the hope of an eternal life with God. And if we let it, I believe this hope can free us to say the kinds of yes, the kinds of yes that Mary and Joseph did. Now, our yes will probably not be quite so dramatic, but I think each of us will have an opportunity to say yes or no to some way that God invites us to express our love for him. In some way that God invites us to demonstrate our love for those around us by putting them before ourselves and choosing to serve them sacrificially. We actually hear both of these expressions of of hope-fueled love in the passage from 1 John that was read earlier. 1 John 2, 5 says, If anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. We We love God and demonstrate that love by obeying his word, by saying yes. And then just a few verses later we read, Anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light. We love by saying yes to opportunities to serve those around us. I'd like to invite the worship team to come back up. And I invite all of us to um, take a few moments and consider these verses from 1 John. To ponder these examples we've been given in the lives of Mary and Joseph. And I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to guide you through a few moments of pondering these these verses. To reveal to you how your love for God might grow as you say yes in the path of obedience. To see how God might be inviting you to say yes to loving a brother or sister near you. Take a few moments and ponder which one might speak more directly to you. Is it the what of something you've been called to do in obedience to God? Or is it the who, the person you're being called by God to demonstrate love to? Let's take these moments in prayer.
God has already said yes to us in ways that have given us tremendous, deep hope. He's given us a Savior. He's given us His love. He's given us His Word to live within us. The message of Advent is that God's love inspires us with hope that frees us to love. Frees us to love God and to love those around us. And so by God's grace, may we be like Mary, ready to say yes to whatever God calls us to. May we be like Joseph, ready to say yes to loving those whom God has put within the sphere of our care. And by the work of God's Spirit in us, that same Spirit who hovered over Mary in a miraculous way, may God's Word find a place in our lives so that God would be glorified and so that those around us would discover and experience God's love through us. Would you join me in prayer? Loving God, thank you for the hope that you've given us through your Son, Jesus. Thank you for freeing us by that hope to move away from fear and selfishness selfishness and toward love. God, forgive us for times that we've said no. Forgive us for missed opportunities to love the people around us. Strengthen our hope and deepen our love, Father. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us, and your love for us. Amen.